Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast. As we continue our sermon series about money and what is money for, as I mentioned last week, we're looking at one scripture three different times, uh, looking at it from different perspectives. So let me read it again for those who have not yet memorized it. Uh, This is a parable told by Jesus near the end of the Gospel of Matthew. It's uh, Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you? that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." May God's blessing be on the reading, hearing, and living out of this word. I know I've talked about this before, but between the years of about 1976 to 1983 or so, I was an avid baseball card collector. Now, some adults share stories about the valuable cards they bought when they were children and that their mom threw them away, but my, and my cards lost their value too, but I can't blame my mom. When I first started collecting, so this was when I was probably eight or nine years old, I had a pretty vivid imagination. So I'd pretend that the players were like fighters or boxers, and I would just smash them into each other. I'd be kneeling on the ground, and the seat of a chair would be the ring, like the boxing ring, and whoever, whatever card fell off first, they lost the game or whatever match I was doing. Now, this brought many hours of fun. And I think for the most part, happy memories, but I also ruined any value that these cards would have. So I'm going to show a picture on Sunday, and I'll put it up on my Podbean page. Uh, There are two famous players who had their peak careers in the 1970s, and I had cards of them, Rod Crew and Pete Rose. Now, these cards in their peak condition uh, should have corners that are nice and sharp, and I'll show two examples of that. But then I show two other cards uh, after eight-year-old me got through with them. And you can, you'll can you be able to see poor Rod Carew is all wrinkled and beat up 
and he's almost torn in half. Cards, uh, you might imagine, are more valuable the more you don't mess with them. Put them in plastic sleeves, for example. Don't even breathe on them. You see see this with toys, too. Toys in their original packaging are worth more than toys that have been played with over and over again. I read this week an article, one toy dealer said this, that anytime you're buying today's toys for tomorrow's market, they need to be kept mint in the box. So I understand this, but it's also kind of sad. You can imagine taking this to the extremes. You have a son, perhaps little Jimmy, and Jimmy wakes up Christmas morning and gets a brand new toy. And then you say to Jimmy, Jimmy, this is, you can look at it, but don't take it out of the box. Don't play with it. We're going to put it up high on this shelf and just look at it from up here. And in 25 years, you will thank me for this. (laughs) So what do we do with things that have value with to us? That's a question I want to explore today for a couple reasons. First, as part of our sermon series, as I noted earlier, called What is Money For? As we explore John Wesley's dictum from the sermon, The Use of Money, that when it comes to money, we should earn or gain all we can. We should give all we can. We should save all we can. Money, when we think about what has value to us, money, of course, has value. I was with a friend for lunch the other day, and she found a dollar bill on the ground, and she picked up and was so excited that she'd found this dollar bill on the ground. Now, we talked about earning money last week. Today, we're going to talk about giving money. But that's not the only reason I want to talk about what we do with things that have value. Instead of communion today, two individuals are going to be confirmed in the church. This is a pretty big statement, but their lives have values, have value, and they're making a remarkable promise to say that they're taking an initial step of being part of a faith community. So back to Wesley. What should we do with our money? Once we've earned it, what do we do with this valuable resource? Well, Wesley says that we should make sure that we take care of our basic needs, that we have enough for food, for clothing, health, that we can provide for our family. And then he says this, quote, give all you can, or in other words, give all you have to God. Do not stint yourself to this or that proportion. Render unto God, not a tenth, not a third, not half, but all that is God's. That's quite a challenge. It's tempting to only take care of our needs And then broaden our definition of what we need. And then after we've done that, see what's left over and then give that to God. There's an episode from The Simpsons when the town of Springfield is facing the potential of a nuclear plant meltdown. And the mother of the household, Marge, figures it's time for a prayer. So this is her prayer. She says, Lord, if you spare this town from becoming a smoking hole in the ground, I'll try to be a better Christian. And then she thinks, I don't know what I can do. Mm, oh, the next time there's a canned food drive, I'll give the poor something they'd actually like instead of old lima beans and pumpkin mix. So we have this valuable resource money, and at times we give not all that we have to God, but the temptation is to give God the leftovers, the old lima beans and the pumpkin mix. Maybe we play with this valuable thing a little bit, but we still keep it in the box, play it safe. Now, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but it goes a little bit against what we read in the scripture for today. This is a parable that Jesus describes to us. Many scholars believe that Jesus is talking about what's called the parousia. It's a Greek word that means coming or advent. So the focus here is on the second coming of the Messiah. 
So because of that, because of the nature of what he's talking about, we see this, especially in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus uses strong language to get our attention. So for example, again, verse 30 says, as for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But we can also find some things in the story that inform our behaviors today too. So we have a landowner. Actually, it's more accurate to say we have a generous landowner who's giving away talents. Now, when we hear the word talent, we think of a term for God-given abilities like gifts and graces. And it's because of this story, this parable, that's how talent became known in the English language for having its current definition. Here, though, a talent is a unit of money. And as I noted last week, it's worth quite a bit. One talent is 15 years wages. So, This is, again, a generous landowner. The landowner looks at these three workers and generously gives them money, but interestingly, doesn't give them any instructions about what to do with it. This is opposed to the Gospel of Luke, who tells roughly the same story. And in that parable, the landowner says, do business with these until I come back. But here, all it says is, then he went away. Now, scholars believe that the original hearers of this parable would have believed that the responsible thing to do with this talent, this money, this resource, would be to do what? Exactly. Exactly what the one talent person did. That is, bury it. But this is no ordinary landowner that we're dealing with here. Robert Capon was an Episcopal priest and a really powerful writer And he was writing about this parable and had some wonderful things to say about it. He believes that, in a sense, the landowner is saying, I invited you into what's called a fiduciary relationship. You may be familiar with this word fiduciary, but the F-I-D of this word, fidere, Latin for trust. In the original writing here, in the Greek, it's pistis, which means faith. So the owner is praising faith. Pistos literally means fullness of faith. Did you notice the first two individuals here are commended for being faithful? So Capon imagines the landowner saying, when I give you a gift, I want you to do something with it. I want you to trust me. I want you to be faithful. The landowner is saying, is exercising some trust here, some some risk in giving all of this money away. But he's disappointed, to say it lightly, He's disappointed with the person who had the one talent saying that you were more afraid of me than you were afraid of risking. You decided to play it safe. The landowner would have even accepted interest, but the workers would have had to let go of the money. All of them did, two of them, but the one held on to it. Capon says God doesn't care if we're making some comparisons here of the landowner to God, that God doesn't care about bookkeeping. God doesn't care what you do with it, only that you do something with it. God is, the landowner is praising faithfulness, saying you good and faithful servant, meaning you trusted in what I gave you and you took a risk with it. That's what pleases the landowner and I think what pleases God too. And I think that's what this parable is all about. We receive so many things of value in our lives So the question is, will we keep them in the original packaging or will we give God the leftovers and just meet it out very carefully? Will we have the faith in God, this fullness of faith? Will we have the faith of God to take a risk and to do something with this resource that we have been given? 
And in taking that risk, that's what pleases God. It's not what was given back. It was the fact that they took the risk in the first place. So as I noted earlier, we have two teens, Ethan and Ian, who are being confirmed on Sunday. Now, sometimes when we talk about confirmation in the church, we think it's all about believing or saying the right things. I remember when I was their age and in confirmation, I remember having to go in front of the pastor and we had to memorize the Apostles' Creed, how nervous I was about having to memorize this and hoping I didn't get any words wrong. But confirmation comes from the word, again, a Latin word, confirmare, which means to make firm or establish, meaning once we have this establishment, this foundation, then we can do, do all kinds of things. So when these two teens come up and say that they want to be part of the church, they are confirming something. They are saying that we are establishing a base, establishing a foundation here. And from that foundation, then my hope is that they can have the freedom to risk, to ask questions, to wrestle, to try something new. Again, with the thought being not that we hope that you double it is whatever you you try, but instead that you are in the process, make the effort of risking. That's what we want them to do with this confirmation, this confirmation that they want to be part of the church. It's a great quote from a poem called The Summer Day by Mary Oliver, who says, tell me what it, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life. This life that you two have, those two have, is a resource, a valuable resource. And they confirm the foundation they want that God is in their life. And then from there, we ask them and all of us, what is it that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? A few years ago, there were a few churches on the near north side of Chicago, and they came into some money. They had invested in some land Uh, many years ago, and it came time to sell the land. And each of the four churches that had made this investment received just over one and a half million dollars. One of those churches was named LaSalle Street Church. Some folks in Chicago may know where this is. And so they received this money. And on the one hand, it came at a great time for them. They were struggling a little bit financially. They had a $50,000 deficit. They were cutting back on operating expenses. They thought they might have to reduce staff hours. And so they knew that the the prudent side knew that uh, on the one hand, we need to cover ourselves, but also they knew that they just couldn't just plug a hole in the budget, not do anything with it. And so they were wondering, maybe we should do something else with this. And so they had, speaking of wild and precious life, they had a wild counterintuitive idea. Why not give some of the money away? Not just a little bit, but 10% 10% tithing. So they gave $160,000 away. But what they did was really interesting. So they set aside a Sunday in September. They called it Love Let Go Checks. They gave $500, $500 checks to every member of the church and just encouraged them to do good in the world. So you can imagine that people probably had all kinds of ideas of what was going on in their head. I wouldn't be surprised if some people thought, you know what, I really need to pay my credit card debt down. I need to pay a bill or two, and you can't blame them for that. But they're also really praying and discerning, what do we do with this? So there was one member, a man named Eric, and 
Eric was on Facebook one day and was reading about a missionary friend of his in Africa. And this friend was talking about a woman named Fatou who needed urgent medical treatment on her leg. And the doctors determined that amputation presented the really only option to save Fatou's life. So Eric's friend was asking for donations. And so Eric contacted his friend and asked how much it was. And as you might guess, the response was $500. And so here, perfect answered prayer. I mean, could it be, uh, could it fit any more nicely? So he sent his friend the money and Fatou recovered from surgery. After 13 years of exile, she was living a full and happy life. Soon after, however, her health took a devastating turn. And within a few weeks, she fell into a coma and died. And when he heard this news, Eric wrote that he had felt like a failure because the funds didn't buy a cure. Eric, as it turns out, works in a rehab hospital. He knew how long the recovery from an amputation would take, but still he imagined a bright future for her. So there was the initial feeling that he had not done well. He had given this money away and it didn't bring about what he had hoped for. He was looking for the end result. But then as he reflected on it, he knew maybe not. Instead, he looked at it a different way. He said that now she was able to be with community that loved her. He knew that there were those who were surrounding Fatou in her final days, and she would not have had that opportunity before. And then he realized that maybe it was more than just what the end result is. Maybe it's something else. Maybe the act of risking, of letting go of the money, that is the act of faith. That is the thing that God rewards and is thrilled by in the end. So this Sunday is a Sunday when we particularly ask folks at our church to think about giving financially to the church in 2019. And I try to say this every year. I don't want people to make this pledge just so that we can keep the lights on just so that I can make a salary. Of course, I enjoy getting a salary. I don't want people to give just so that we can continue to do what we do Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Instead, I want people to give so that we might continually confirm, have a foundation that God's love and presence is not going away no matter what. And because of that foundation, I want people to give so that we might risk, so that we might be faithful, so that we might take our resources, our toys out of the box, that we might take our cards out of the pack and bend, increase, and tear, so that we might multiply our joy and that we might multiply our impact. And that's what I'm telling these two confirmands too. When they stand up on Sunday, they aren't exactly, probably exactly sure what they're going to be saying yes to, but I hope it is that they're at least saying yes to, I believe that I have a foundation here, and that with this foundation, then that frees me to take this resource and play with it, and experiment with it, and wrestle with it, and grapple with it, and try new things with it, knowing that that's the thing that pleases God. We are not in the business of checking back with them a year later and said, okay, what have you done? Show us fruit, show us resources. I mean, all that is good. Of course, we, we don't want to not have uh, impact, not, not have impact with our lives. 
But the key thing is risking. It's the key thing is to be faithful, to know that no matter what, God is with me. And because of that, because I trust in that, because God trusts in me, then I'm able to say, here I am. And I go forth with my life that I give to God. And I go forth with the resources that I have. And I take them out and see what I and God can do. And I hope that you can do that as well. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening to this podcast. I will be off next Sunday, but I encourage you to still go on our Podbean page and listen to the other sermons that are uh, downloaded. I'll be back in two weeks and we'll be uh, speaking to you about a sermon series that kicks off our Advent and Christmas seasons. And until the next time, uh, you can always reach out to me. ChristianCoon.com is my website or my email is Christian at UrbanVillageChurch.org. And so until then, may the peace of Christ be with you. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I